Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. The author of today's scripture from Ecclesiastes seems to be almost ransacking the world to find the meaning of life. Suppose for a moment that human reasoning stopped the search. What then? Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 through 6 and 8 through 11. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. Why are you here? Why why are we here? Now, I'm not talking literally in this place. I'm talking about the world, the earth. Why are homo sapiens, why are human beings here on earth? I discovered this week that there are scientists who believe that we are hardwired somehow in our brain, the way that we have evolved, to answer that question. We are meaning-seeking people. We want to have a sense of meaning in life. That drives us and makes us feel fulfilled. When a person doesn't have a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, they can frequently become discouraged and then depressed. And then many individuals recently, especially younger individuals, have been taking their lives because they see no meaning in life. Well, we can turn to a wide variety of places to answer that question, what is the meaning of life? When you turn to science, and in particular evolutionary theory, and ask, what is the meaning of life? You'll get a very unique answer. For example, if you could ask the theory of evolution and said, why are we here? They would say, we are here because we evolved. And if you ask evolutionary theory, what is the meaning of life? 
Evolutionary theory would simply tell you there is no meaning in life. You are just here. You evolved to be here now. There is no meaning. And yet, as human beings, we continue to search for that meaning. We try to find that meaning. This morning, I'd like to share with you how two different groups have tried to find meaning in life. They are polar opposites of each other. One such group would be the religious, and in particular, focusing upon those who are theistic. The idea being, in a theistic view of God, is that God is an integral part of human being, that God interacts with our world, that God is involved in our world. And so we will look at and ask the question, what is the meaning of life from that perspective? But then we're going to go to the other extreme, and we're going to ask the atheist, the individual who does not believe in God, or even a non-theist. And there is a difference. An atheist, we frequently think, is someone who does not believe in any god. But those individuals who are non-theist, they may believe in a god, but they just don't believe in a theistic type of God, a God who intervenes in our world. So we're going to look at both of those and compare them, and then at the end, we're going to ask, what again is the meaning of life? So for the religions, for those who are theistic in their view of God, if we were to ask them, what is the meaning of life? They would tell us very quickly that the meaning of life is outside of ourselves. Because it is God who created us. If you have a theistic view of God, then you somehow believe that God was involved in some way, either directly from a literal reading of Genesis 1 and 2, or perhaps in a more passive way, through, for example, intelligent design. So they would say that because God is our creator in some way, shape, or form, then it, the meaning of life has to come from God. If God created us, then it is God who has a purpose for us. And we must align ourselves with that purpose. The best example of this in the Christian realm is found in a book entitled The Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren, who is a pastor at Saddleback Church in Orange County, California. Now, here's what's amazing. The reason why I chose that book is because it has sold, ready for this, 35 million copies throughout the world. 35 million. So I figured if we're going to look at the purpose of life, that's probably a good place to look. What I've discovered was two things. 
The meaning of life is not about you. It's not about us. The meaning of life is all about God. God is the ultimate source of meaning. Now, that, question, that statement brings to me this question. Well, then what is God's purpose for us? Well, according to this book, The Purpose Driven Life, the writer says the following. There are five things that capture the meaning of life. Here you go. Number one, we exist to please God. That's why God created us. God created us so that we would make God happy. Number one. Number two, we are meant to join God's family. I guess somehow when I thought about that one, my mind went to to join God's family. That means apparently at some point I was not a part of God's family, so therefore something must happen so that I can join God's family. And then I surmised, perhaps wrong, but I think I'm right, is that has the idea of salvation. So I was created to please God. Somehow, originally, I was not a part of God, but something happens so I can join God and therefore please God, and therefore that must be some way of being saved. Number three, our goal is to become Christ-like. Number four, we are designed to serve God. Now it makes sense why number one is there. We are here to please God. How do we please God? We please God by serving God. And then number five, our mission is to share God's good news with the world. That's the purpose of life. But that's the purpose of life according to this best-selling book. And I could share with you other books, other articles written by Christians, theists, who would tell you that there are different purposes of life according to God. So this week I was kind of ruminating on that and it hit me. Everything that I have been taught about God has come from another human being. Everything that I know about God has come from another human being. The Bible. And if you believe the Bible is inspired by God, then God chose to use an agent to decide to tell us what our purpose is. But what do you do when you read the Bible and there's places where it disagrees with what our purpose of life is? Or interpreting what the Bible says? I wish it was that simple, that we could just simply look and say, hey, it is so obvious that all Christians can agree that God says this is the meaning of life. This is why I created you. This is why you're on the earth. 
it would make life so much easier. We wouldn't sell as many books, but it sure would make life easier. If you ran into another Christian in Georgia or Maryland, it wouldn't matter because you would simply say, hey, I know you know what the meaning of life is, don't you? And they go like that, and you go like that, and you both know you agree. But it's not that easy. So that idea of how religion and theists see the meaning of life, at first, it seems so simple. But the more you sit with it, you begin to realize it actually is very, very challenging to come to a place where we all can agree, yes, this is the meaning of life given to us by God. So that's religion. That's a theistic view of God. I want to shift now. I, I, I really feel bad because I've made you guys the religious and the theist, and you guys over here the atheists. So I, I apologize. I didn't do that on purpose. Or did I? Um, so here's my question. For the, for the atheists, where is the meaning of life? Well, the atheist would tend to agree with science, with evolutionary theory. And at the very beginning of this sermon, we talked about that the meaning of life, according to evolution, there is no meaning in life. There is no purpose for us being here. We've just evolved. Now, many people, when they hear that, that atheist or non-theist, that there is no purpose in life, immediately they want to label them as nihilist or fatalist. But if you read and you spend some time looking at what they say the meaning of life is, you realize that they look at it just slightly different. And this is how they do it. So, Originally, we asked, what is the meaning of life? Now, I'm going to turn this around. Imagine that. And now, this is what an atheist would say. There is no meaning of life. There is meaning in life. You hear the difference? There is no meaning of life. There is meaning in life. And guess who gets to decide the meaning in life? You. You get to decide the meaning in life for you. There's a philosopher who says the following. His name was E.D. Klim. He says, an objective meaning, this idea that meaning is outside of myself, that is one which is inherent within the universe or dependent upon external agencies. That objective meaning would frankly leave me cold. It would not be mine. I, for one, am glad that the universe has no meaning, for thereby is man all the more glorious. 
I willingly accept the fact that external meaning is non-existent. For this leaves me free to forge my own meaning. Well, that sounds interesting, but how does that work? How do we find meaning in life? If it's not external of me, if it's not something that I have to accept and, and adopt and bring into myself, but it's already within myself, how can I find meaning in life? Well, there's another philosopher by the name of Richard Norman. And he gives us five things from experience that can give life a depth and a sense of meaning. I'm only going to go over three real quick with you. And as I share with these, ask yourself, do, would these three, do they bring meaning in my life? Number one, the excitement of curiosity. Richard Norman goes on and says, we are by nature curious and seek to know and understand what we encounter in the natural world. When I read that, the first thing I thought about was those aha moments. When the light bulb goes on, I, I don't know if that happens to you, but man, it happens to me a lot. And I, I just realized how ignorant I truly am because I'm continually learning new things. And it's like when the light goes on, it's like, whoa! And he said that is the meaning in life, is to, is to have these moments of discovery. Secondly, he says, the meaning in life comes in our relationship with others. That we are social beings. And that as we cooperate and interact with each other, that gives us a sense of meaning. Belonging to a family, belonging to a spiritual community, being a part of an organization or getting together with a group of friends and just sitting and talking. Maybe getting together and working on a business deal with other people that that decision that you make together will have a huge impact upon the quality of life of others. And when you're done and you go bed and you lay your head on your pillow and you go, ah, this was good. They would say that is the meaning in life. And then last of all, he says, the meaning of life comes through the life of emotions. You know, we take it for granted, a lot of our emotions. But just pause just for a moment and imagine what it would be like if you didn't have the ability to love. Think about that. Whoever you're sitting by right now, Imagine if there was no emotions whatsoever connected to them. Do you know how fortunate we are to have that emotion? Think about compassion. 
When we earlier saw a picture of that little eight-year-old who's in intensive care right now, did you feel that? You may never even remembered him, but if you felt something inside of you that responded to that, is that enough? to give us a sense of meaning in life, that we have these emotions that we can experience, even the emotions that we don't like. Jealousy, angry, I mean, anger, all these different emotions that we want to set aside. But those emotions, if we didn't have them, we wouldn't understand the opposite of them, number one. And number two, we wouldn't be able to continue to grow as human beings. And so that's why the atheist would say, I'm not concerned about the meaning of life. Rather, I'm focusing upon the meaning in life. So perhaps now you've realized the dilemma. Because let's say that if you look over here on this, I'm sorry, if we look now I'm used to calling you guys the religious. But if, if you look over here, and the religious and the theist, you hear what they say about the meaning of life, but it just feels, doesn't resonate. But then you look on this side, and you have the atheist, and this idea that there's no God, that may not be completely comfortable with either. So could we find something in the middle for you guys? That's where we turn to the book of the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is written by the teacher. It has been attributed to King Solomon because he has the reputation of being the wise one. Very unlikely that Solomon actually wrote Ecclesiastes. But the author of this book attributes it and honors King Solomon by saying that it is from him. Now, when you remember the scripture that was read for us, you begin to realize that for Ecclesiastes, the teacher, who in the Hebrew is called Koheleth, you realize that for the teacher, life is meaningless. He says it's all vanity. Now, it's not vanity in the sense that it is like, ooh, look at me. It's vanity, and the word actually means it's like vapor. It just disappears. And he goes through and he talks about all the different things that he tried to do to find meaning in life. Acquiring as much money and wealth and possessions as possible. At the end, he says, it's meaningless. And then he tried to learn as much as he could he bought, well, he couldn't. 
But he listened to, I was going to say he bought all these books, but they didn't have them. But today it would be like me buying all these books, wanting to find the meaning and answers. And it's almost as if the teacher says, go for it. But at the end, you're going to die. And your brain's going to shut down. And you're going to lose it all. You're talking about wiping a hard drive clean. And therefore, the teacher says that life is meaningless. But here's what I find fascinating, is that the teacher is not an atheist. Do you hear that? The teacher is not an atheist. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4, it says the following. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. So here's a person that almost takes this atheistic idea that there is no meaning of life, but instead he says there is meaning in life, and that is to eat and drink and find satisfaction in the things that you do. The scholar Bart Ehrman, Ehrman says the following, the author of Ecclesiastes' constant refrain throughout the book is that given the ultimate impossibility of understanding this world and making sense of what happens, including the meaning of life, the very best thing we can do is enjoy life while we can. On seven different occasions in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tells his readers that they should eat, Drink and be merry. And so he says in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 18 and 19, this is what I have seen to be good. It is, feeding, it is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of the life God gives us, for this is our lot. Now here's an ancient wise person who didn't look for the meaning of life outside. But he found meaning in life. There's an expression I'm certain you've heard. Carpe diem. Which simply means seize the day. Maybe that is the meaning in life. 
is to appreciate every single day that we are alive. What happens after we die? We can have our hopes. We can have faith in something. But we won't know until it happens. But in the meantime, carpe diem, seize the day. One writer said that to see life like a piece of fruit. Now again, the imagery isn't perfect, but he said it's like taking that piece of fruit and squeezing as much of the juice out of it as you can every single day. And you know what I found? That when I can do that, I truly do find meaning in life. And I find that if I can love other people, if I can accept people for who they are, no matter how different they are than the I am, if I can show compassion toward other people, that juice from life is rich. It's satisfying. And it can quench that thirst for meaning. So it doesn't matter to me if you find your meaning in life or the meaning of life outside of yourself, or if you find the meaning in life within yourself and how you choose to experience life, it doesn't matter. But what does matter to me is that you find a sense of fulfillment and that you know that even if there is no meaning of life, that you are important and that you will embrace today and then embrace tomorrow. In fact, simply put, carpe diem. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.